You're listening to the Thunder Basketball Universe. We've got a great show ahead. We're recording this on Friday the 6th. It's game day. We'll dive into what's happening today, and we'll do a little bit of love it or leave it. So let's get to it. Welcome to the Thunder Basketball Universe. I'm Paris Lawson, sitting across from Nick Gallo, and next to producer Hindi. We're in the Thunder practice facility, and it's our 12th pod. A dozen pods. Wow. Hard to believe. We've come a long way. Should have brought a dozen donuts for our dozen pod. Oh, come on, Nick. Yeah. That, I love a dozen donuts. You know what sounds really good right now? A dozen uh, specifically, donuts. <laughs> one dozen donuts. From Brown's. Brown's Bakery is so good. Then you don't even need it. Like, Brown's, one donut. That's all you need. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Nobody's a Krispy Kreme. I like Krispy Kreme, too. Yeah. They are my absolute favorite. So when I was doing rehab in Nashville, it was right next to a Krispy Kreme. And so, like, when I'm working hard and sweating and crying in pain, I would always look and the, the hot sign would be on. So I'm like, that's what I'm working for. I think I know this Krispy Kreme. Yeah, it's the one <laughs> right next to Vanderbilt. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Phenomenal. So much happening with our podcast and so much happening in today's podcast. We're going to get into SGA. We're going to talk about the game that's happening tonight against the Timberwolves and can't forget our favorite segment, Love It or Lean On It. But first, we got a little bit of news about Andre Robertson. Nick, can you tell us a little bit more about that? Everybody knows that Dre's had a kind of tough go of it coming back from his knee injury, had some setbacks last season and but really felt like he was getting close during training camp and was going through contact. But he just he hasn't been able to kind of get over that last hump to be able to play and, and feel confident in being on the court day in and day out at full speed. So he's going to take his rehab like away from the team. He's got a place out in L.A., and he'll um, do it out there. So kind of a change of scenery can be nice in, in this situation, and the team is obviously supportive of Andre and, you know, anything that he can do to explore every possible option of getting himself in the right place to be able to come back and play. There's no timetable on when Andre might be back with the team or the status of his uh, you know, rehab at this point. This is one of those situations where it, it's so much bigger than just basketball, right? This is a player that's been injured for so long and has been doing the same thing over and over again, just trying to get back and get healthy. And um, I can completely understand that with my history of injuries throughout college. Having three ACL tears, is it's just you get into this rhythm and monotony of rehab and tr- therapy, trying to get better. And it's it's uncomfortable, and you're doing it all by yourself. Yes, you have your teammates, but when you're doing this rehab, you're doing it all by yourself, and you're the only one that feels that pain, and you're the only one that's going through that. And so I can completely understand just wanting to get away and get a new change of pace and scenery. Well, the Thunder's been without Andre Robertson for quite some time, and as of late, been without Hamadou Diallo, another really good defender for this Thunder team. And now they're about to face the Timberwolves. And with Andrew Wiggins coming into town, a two guard that Andre would have guarded, Hami would have guarded, it's going to be a whole team effort trying to contain this Timberwolves squad. Ferg has been kind of the go-to guy as a defender in these types of matchups so far this season. But we've seen Abdul, we've seen Deontay with his big physical frame have opportunities there. Somebody else that's really just a big focal point of the the Timberwolves is Carl Anthony Towns. And that's going to be a big matchup with Steven having to go up against this 
this player that can score from the inside and the out. He's had to guard Towns so many times. And one thing Stevens always told me is that trying to push Towns' catches out as far as possible is a huge part of that matchup. But now, I mean, he's a three-point shooter. Exactly. Yeah, and that's one of those situations where when it, com- when it comes to Steven playing up or playing back or more in that drop coverage, he's going to have to be close enough to be able to contest but also be able to stay square and stay feet on the floor and under control to guard against Carl Anthony Towns, who can also get to the basket as well. Just for reference, Towns is shooting 43% from three and has made at least two threes in 17 straight games. That's fifth in the NBA. So that's up there with guys like Gallo, guys like James Harden. <laughs> it was funny. We were asking Shea about it yesterday, and he said if there's anybody that could be left on an island, it's Steven on defense. So that'll be a really fun matchup to watch. We talked a lot about defense, but mm-hmm. offensively, just being able to score, get the ball through the hoop consistently through 48 minutes, and just stay in tempo and pace with a Minnesota team who's abil- who has the ability to score. Minnesota's a very interesting team. They take a ton of three-pointers. And they take a ton of free throws, but they don't actually shoot particularly well from the three-point line. Mm -hmm. So far this year, just about 33% from behind the arc. But they're playing really fast, one of the fastest tempos in the NBA, whereas the Thunder is playing at one of the slowest tempos. So really, whoever can control the pace and the flow of this game will have a a much better chance of winning this one. You know who's going to have a really big role in that? Shea Gilgis-Alexander. And as of late, we've seen him kind of fall in the scoring category where he was normally at the beginning of the season one of the leaders for the Thunder. And he's had to adjust. This is his second season, but we're seeing him adjust to finding ways to be able to be impactful on the floor if he's not scoring well. And it was a little bit of a learning curve when he first didn't have his best scoring night. And he dug in on defense. We saw him have to check really good, really good offensive players. And now we're seeing him find other ways to be impactful on the offensive side of the ball if his shots aren't falling. A huge night in my mind for him was in Golden State when he came up with those massive defensive plays late, the, the pick six interception for a, touch, uh, for a touchdown, touchdown. For, a, for a layup in transition. Then he blocks a shot, has a huge defensive rebound down the stretch. Those types of moments, we're going to see them kind of in stops and starts throughout this second season of his as he gets used to having that responsibility of impacting the game on both sides of the ball. In the last game against the Pacers, he hadn't scored yet, but it wasn't until a steal in the second quarter that got him going, got the rhythm. I think it's just a matter of him seeing the ball go through the hoop. First week or so of the season, we saw Shea just so crafty getting to the rim. He could get to his spot on the floor kind of anytime he wanted to. One point that Billy Donovan has made is that probably the first week of the year, he was like fourth or fifth on the opposing team's scouting report. And now he's probably one or two on their scouting reports. And so the amount of attention, the number of eyeballs, the pressure, the game planning against him is at a completely different level. And I'm kind of stepping on the toes of one of my lovets coming up later, but that's okay. And we're seeing that level of maturity of him in his second year, learning as each game goes on versus maybe a group of games that he's taking lessons from. It's game by game you're seeing his maturity and his growth as a player develop. It is now time for Cue the Reggae Horn. Love it or lean on it. This is the point in the podcast where Nick and I give you three things that we love about this team right now and then three things that the team's kind of leaning on, a little bit of a crutch, leaning on them. So, Nick, start us off with a love it. 
I love it. I'm going to say the Thunder's offense the last seven games yeah. only scored 100 against a really good Indiana defense. But over the last seven games, fifth in field goal percentage, fourth in turnovers. So they're getting shots up at the rim every single time, and they're making a lot of them. So that's really good when you're seeing those field goal percentage numbers up in the high 40s you know that you're being really efficient on offense. And actually, uh, despite all the talk at the beginning of the season about the defense, the Thunder is 10th in field goal percentage in the NBA throughout the entire course of the season. So been pretty efficient on that end of the floor. Getting really good looks. <laughs> <Horn>. Calm down. <laughs> really good looks from the field. And that kind of goes into one of my lovets, and that's the team chemistry that we're starting to see develop from this team. So early on this season, we – it sounded like the talk was we'll get it when the team figures out how to play together, when they learn each other's tendencies. And over the past few games, we've seen a lot of chemistry between multiple lineups, playing without Hamadou Diallo and having Abdul Nader have to step up and Deontay Burton have to step up and play higher extended minutes. They're in a lot of varying lineups and still being successful. We're seeing a, the bench production and not only that, but also the starting five just being able to play off each other really, really well. Just looking back to the first two games of the season when the Thunder scored 95 and then 85 points, there was some worry about how can this team score? What are they going to do? And as you just mentioned, they've got a a top 10 bench in terms of scoring. And then three guys in CP, Danilo, and SGA who are all scoring in mid to high double figures. Obviously only about 19, 20 games into the season, so it's not where it needs to be, but it's definitely, I I love where they are right now compared to where they were at the beginning of the season. Heading in the right direction. Absolutely. All right, Nick, what's your second love it? My second love it is defending the Mm mid-range the way that the Thunder has been. The Pacers game was a really good litmus test for the Thunder's kind of defensive scheme. And I thought a a great case study of how a team can react in those moments. The Pacers went 9 of 18 on mid-range jump shots in that game. In the first half, they made a bunch of them, but the Thunder only gave up one offensive rebound. In the second half, the Thunder crept up a little bit more with its bigs to try to contest those mid-range shots, and they ended up giving up 10 offensive rebounds in the second half alone. And so my love it is, you know, Keep trusting the defense. Trust that that scheme is going to work out for you in the long run, that if you can chase over the top, get those contests you know, with a hand up kind of from the side or behind, they call them rear view contests, that you're going to do enough to mitigate those types of shots from going in and then just be solid on the defensive glass. The Thunder has faced all five teams in the top five category of mid-range points and percentage of points in the mid-range. What, what are those five teams? So you've got the Spurs, you've got the Warriors, uh, the Pacers, the Wizards, and... Uh, it might be Portland. It was Portland. I think it's Portland. It was Portland. Portland. But you know, the Thunder's actually one of the highest... They have one of the highest shooting percentages in the mid-range on jump shots. They don't take a ton of them, but between Chris and Danilo, the guys that shoot the mid-range shots for the Thunder, they shoot them really well. I think they're second in the NBA in... in uh, two-point jump shots. Well, you know what Chris says. A mid-range for him is like a layup. That's right. What a flex. (laughs) Okay, so we need some lean on it. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you guys are love it heavy. I'm sorry. Just naturally optimistic. It's fine. I'll give you a lean on it. Okay. This team's 48-minute consistency sticking to a game plan. 
early in the season, it was the third quarters that were the bugaboo for the team. And now it's kind of give and go wherever you throughout the game. But putting together a solid 48 minutes of basketball, solid basketball has been kind of iffy so far this team. That's always an issue for every NBA team is that like, you know, you're, you're constantly putting out these fires throughout the course of the game. You know, you might think that you have, just like we're talking about, you think that you have the offensive glass controlled and then you make this one little tweak to try to fix a different area and it opens up the floodgates. So I, I, that's a great point. And it's something that coach Donovan talks about all the time. Danilo talks about all the time. We got to do this for 48 minutes, not just for 36 or not just for 40. Even like after wins, after the golden state, win, they came back from 15 points down, it was at golden state. Mm -hmm. They came back from 15 points down and even in that locker room, it was just we have to find a way to not get down 15 points in the first place. And so just one of those things where just a matter of consistency for over 48 minutes, like you said, every team goes through it, but putting it together as the season goes on, it'll really take this team to the next level. Next level. That's the maturity of a team that recognizes just because we win, didn't one, didn't mean that we played perfect. Like you can win and play badly and you can lose and play really well. And it's actually about being honest with yourself about what you really did in the course of the 48 minutes. Give me a lean on it, Nick. My lean on it it actually is stemming from a positive, which is that Steven Adams is 15 of 18 from the free throw line over the last six games. Steve-O's newfound free throw shot means Thunder's got to get him to the free throw line more. That's only three free throw attempts per game, and uh, if he's going to knock him down at this clip... Get down there, big fella, and, and uh, get fouled somewhere. Yeah, and this kind of goes to one of my lean on it, and I'll, I'll hint to it. He's not around the rim as much. He's facilitating at the high post for this Thunder offense, and so he's doing a lot of dishing off and a lot of handing off to guards to go do their thing at the rim. And so there's not a lot of opportunity for him to be impactful under the rim outside of those first five minutes that we've seen of the game where he's just dominating in the paint. That's really showed itself on the Thunder's offensive rebounding stats. And this is part of an overall philosophy, I think, coming into this year from Coach Donovan, which is we're going to prioritize getting back in transition. And we're going to have this inverted offense where the bigs are going to be up top, the guards are going to be able to slash down to the hoop. But priority number one is getting all five guys back in transition. And that's why you've seen you know, even a guy like Steven, he's still averaging almost three offensive rebounds mm-hmm. a game. But compared to previous years where he was up to five, uh, huge, huge difference just based on like team philosophy and orientation on the floor. Okay, so that's one of my lean on it actually is the Thunder is 30th in the league in offensive rebounds per game. And it it's just a result of the type of os- offense that the team runs and obviously the priority of getting back on, on in transition. But when you have Steven Adams on the floor, it's just he still gets three offensive rebounds a game, but imagine if he's around the rim that much more. And it's just a matter of maybe that's a momentum shifter later in the game or it could add a little bit something, and I'm no coach, but it it is a lean on it for me. It does seem like there are those opportunities within games. So, for example, against Indiana, Adams was huge on the offensive glass in the second half. And so we're seeing some of those things in spot situations, maybe when the Thunder feels like they've got transition defense mostly under control. All right, I've got one more love it. 
we've been leaning on it a little bit, and I alluded to it earlier, but Shea's maturity that we've seen from him these past few games when he's not shooting the ball at the same clip that he was at the beginning of the season, but him being able to find ways to impact the game on defense or finding a way to score without shooting a high clip from three has just been a really good love it for me in these past few games. He's just such a good kid. Great makeup, and he's going to only get better. Here at the Thunder, we like to keep the main thing the main thing. And we're going to look ahead a little bit. We have a game tonight, but we're going to go ahead and look ahead because the team is going on the longest road trip of the season off to the West Coast starting on Saturday. Got to take care of business against Minnesota first, but then another division opponent. It'll be the last time the team goes to Portland this season. Then on Monday against Utah, it'll be the last time they go to Utah this season. Uh, On Wednesday against Sacramento two days off, and then taking on Denver, another division opponent, for the very first time this season next Saturday. So be a Saturday-to-Saturday trip, and we'll be gone ping-ponging around uh, the western half of the United States for a little while. Man, all I heard was Nick was going to be gone for seven straight days. Don't miss me too much. Man, what are we going to do, Hindi? We'll just have to call him up and get a road pod. Road, road pod! That's right. Bow, 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 bow. <laughs> you, you are not in charge of the reggae horn. Knock it off. Nick, when the team has two days off on the road, how do they get that work in still? We'll practice. It's so interesting, though, like where we end up practicing can be completely different. Sometimes it's actually at the arena. Sometimes it's at a local college. Sometimes it's at the opposing team's practice facility. Sometimes it's at a high school if it's you know a nice opportunity to to get someplace that's close to the hotel and sometimes it's like a um like a health club that's got a basketball court and it's just the most easy convenient place so it's really fun sometimes to see these NBA players in these situations that like normal people who are there on a work trip are are on and you know they're in the hotel at the in the hotel gym working out and lifting the same hand weights that you know that Everybody like else is. Bob, the yeah, exactly. Agent that, that I am. Well, doing, I mean, yeah. they're, they're lifting heavier ones than I am, but, you know. Ah, <laughs> don't sell yourself short. What's the weirdest gym or, like, you know, the least NBA-like gym that you've seen the team practice in? Because, like, here at the practice facility, it's beautiful. You know, two full courts, all shiny. the amenities. Very shiny. When, when Scott Brooks was the head coach here, he's a California guy, you know, grew up in Irvine. And so he always loved being by the beach when we would go and travel to Los Angeles. So we'd always stay in Santa Monica. And that's a a bit of a hike on a game day to get from there to Staples Center. It's about at least 45-minute drive. So we don't stay down there anymore. But when we stayed there, he would have the guys go practice at Santa Monica High School. But not at their actual gym, at their old rundown practice gym. And that was always really cool to me because the players could walk from the hotel and so on the way back, most guys would just walk because it's nice outside. But, you know, it's kind of dusty and you can see the like the rafters have like, you know, little that little bit of film on them from not really being cleaned for a long time. And um, 
the floor's a little slip, like slippery and slick, but really kind of took guys back to their roots. You know, they're sitting on those wood bleachers as they're putting their shoes on. There's something nostalgic about just going back to a high school gym and just shooting some hoops. The one thing I will say, though, is you got to watch the three-point line because obviously the high school three-point line is as close as it gets. And then in college, it takes a step back. And then NBA, obviously, there's no high school gym in the country that has an NBA line set up. So it's just like keeping that in mind and like eyeballing it. Do they have somebody that comes in and tapes the lines off or are they mostly just... They mostly just go with it. I do see guys sometimes shooting from out of bounds just to like practice the range on some of those high school courts. Like the half court (laughs) three-pointer basically. (laughs) Yeah, basically. Well, Nick, we're going to miss you, man. I'll miss you guys too. But we'll be back and there'll be plenty of more basketball still to go. So much more basketball. Waiting on that postcard. Here's what made us look this week on our Thunder Basketball Universe podcast. Our guests on our podcast, Mike Jaws, Scariest Baisley, have, we've got an update for you guys. So Mike Jaws, we have an update on his um, music career. Oh, his music video. His music video. It's happening. Yes. After they come back from this super long road trip. Fantastic. Heart, right? Is the name of the song? think so yeah he's yeah. he's trying to get steven still as the the villain not sure if you got steven convinced not sure if you got steven convinced but the music video is happening he's got time maybe you can woo him on this road trip i'm excited for this film noir sin city grimy gritty like cartoon book feel yeah yeah it's supposed to be really really good does mike have his hair slicked back in the music video uh, taking bets? I have no idea, but yes. No, I'm, I mean, I'm, no I'm, I'm <laughs> saying I would vote yes. I hope so. I hope so, too. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Now, for a Scariest Baisley update, we heard from our last podcast with him that he's really into the festivities that come with the holiday season. He was setting out candy for the trick-or-treaters, and now he is decorating his home for the holidays, and he now has his Christmas trees up in his house, and they look phenomenal. Very cool. I actually have a separate Scariest Baisley update Ooh. that is also holiday related. So when he first moved here, he had a interior designer come to his house and help him out with furniture and getting his house looking right. And this woman found out that Darius had no plans for Thanksgiving. You know, we were landing at 430 in the morning and she was like, oh, come, like, come have Thanksgiving with me and my family and, and some of our friends. And so Darius went over and had an Oklahoma Thanksgiving, his very first year in the NBA. And um, he just telling me afterwards, it was like that type of moment where a stranger reaches out to a stranger is like exactly what makes Oklahoma different than anywhere else. That it was just complete instinct that as soon as she found out that I didn't have plans for the holiday, she was like, oh, just come over and join my family. And for Darius, Thanksgiving was just all about being around family and his family couldn't come down from Ohio but now that he's got other friends and people in Oklahoma who helped him decorate his home or even church groups like everybody around him has helped him kind of make this feel like home for him especially around the holidays We've come to that point in the podcast where we want to bless your timeline. And for us, our timeline was blessed when the entire team made a visit to Dave & Buster's to visit 20 families from Citizens Caring for Children to spend some time with the kids. And we saw a lot of smiles and a lot of happy faces from these Thunder players all in these arcade games. 
a lot of skee ball, a lot of pop a shot, a lot of air hockey, some, some virtual reality. Dance Dance Revolution? <laughs> what? <laughs> Saw some fancy footwork from Steven Adams, didn't we? Abdul Nader was on there. I think Hami was on there too. He couldn't really move his arms that well, but he was <laughs> moving his feet. It was great to see like the guys playing Papa Shot with a six, 16, 17 year old kids. And it was pretty competitive. You know, Papa Shot kind of levels the playing field. In one of those situations, Dennis was playing against um, this guy named Deshaun. It was his 17th birthday, and they were playing Papa Shot, and Dennis won one, and then Deshaun won one, and it was just like the best birthday ever for Deshaun because he got to play with Dennis Schroeder, who was his favorite NBA player. Yeah, we found that out afterwards. His favorite NBA player, and we asked, so did you tell him that he's his favorite, (laughs) that he's your favorite? He's like, no. So you got to keep it cool. (laughs) You got to keep it cool. You never know. Could face off against Dennis. Yeah. You don't want to give up those mental advantages. Don't let him see you sweat. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. (laughs) On that positive note, we are going to end this podcast. But thank you so much for listening. If you like what you heard, be sure to like, rate, and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you to our producers. And until next time, thunder up and catch you later.